0: Food bloggers, hey, I want you to know that I myself am a food blogger, so I understand the need to find those connections and find the answers and create transformations in my business that are actually going to matter. And help me grow and make more money and get more traffic and all of those good things. If you are interested in this too, the new Eat Blog Talk mastermind groups might be a great fit for you. Go to eblogtalk.com to find the application that you can fill out for consideration. As Napoleon Hill, the author of Think and Grow Rich, says about the mastermind principle, Two or more people actively engaged in the pursuit of a definite purpose with a positive mental attitude constitute an unbeatable force. Unbeatable force. I love that. And you can't argue with that. Inside the eBlog Talk mastermind groups, weekly Zoom calls will have the format of peer-to-peer learning with members taking turns being in the hot seat. Once a month, guest experts join us and they will unleash their knowledge about very specific topics relating to food blogging and being a small business owner and relating to ways that you can grow your business. We convene every week. We share our struggles, our wins, and we can shine and lift each other up and provide resources and input that will help the other members in the group to grow their businesses and grow as individuals as well. Again, go to eblogtalk.com to fill out an application for consideration. Hey there food bloggers. Welcome to another episode of Eblog Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have Amanda Willens with me from amandawillens.com. And we're going to talk about organization, systems, and processes that will help you grow your business. Amanda is a professional event planner, published photographer and stylist, and recipe developer. Her site was created as a way to share inspiration for everything from major parties to intimate dinners recipes, tablescapes, flowers, and all things pretty. She also teaches lessons on photography and editing, as well as virtual courses for cooking and baking. Wow, you have quite the array of interests and passions, Amanda. I love it. And I'm excited to talk about organization and systems and processes today because this is right up my alley. I love this topic. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact.
1: Okay, great. Great. Um my fun fact is that I was a theater and choir kid growing up. Um I think that's like a I've seen it across the board a little bit with some other food bloggers so I just think it's a fun thing and to kind of find out who my theater buddies are. Oh, so You creative
0: people in the theater kind of transferred your creativity to food blogging. So you see this often that people have a similar background. Oh, interesting. I love that.
1: I thought it was so funny. I'll go into stories and then see that quite a few of my food blogger friends will be posting and they're like, sorry, I'm so over the top, but I was a theater kid. And I'm like, oh, My gosh, are we all in this together?
0: That is so great. And just the creative side, I feel like a lot of food bloggers also have backgrounds in like fine arts and Mm -hmm. digital arts. And so we're all kind of connected in that um, artsy way, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's so fun. Well, organization, systems, processes. I love these words because all of them help me to just put prioritization on the right things and... Um, I believe that the more systems you have in place for your business and your blog, the more successful you're going to be. I feel like this is an integral part of being a successful food blogger. And it can so often become just a m- minor detail, right? Because we think, Oh, I can do it without. I'm, I'm doing fine. Just chugging along here. But once you implement a system, you see the power of it. Do you agree, Amanda? You like. There's so much power in one little system, and then it can kind of take off, and you can create even bigger systems.
1: So so true. Um, I don't know how. I think a lot of people don't realize is that like food bloggers are not just making up a recipe and like taking a pretty picture and then like posting it. There's like 82 different things that you have to be a professional at. You have to be good at doing all these things. And sometimes, you know, if you're able to, you can hire out for certain things. But for the most part, most people, especially when starting off, they're having to do so many tasks and there's so many things. And if you just have them floating around your head, they're going to get lost. Like you're not going to be able to remember every single little thing. So having some type of system and process in place that works for you is vital.
0: (sighs) I totally agree. And I think a little bit later, we can maybe give some ideas about where people can start with systems. But to start out, I would love it if you just talk to us about your own business and how you schedule your own time to make sure that you stay on top of it all.
1: Sure. So I use a system that is called Time Blocking. Um, I think most people know what time blocking is. They just don't know the term. So um, in the simplest form I can think about it is time blocking is, um, let's pretend like you're back in high school and you have um, certain classes that go from one set of time to another, right? So you have history from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then you have, you know, a little 15 minute break to get to your English class. You have English from 10:15 to 12, 15, and then you have lunch. So you're blocking out that time for specific tasks. So for me, um, that's something that really helps me to make sure that I am putting in my weekly, my daily, and my monthly tasks into a calendar so that I remember to actually do those things.
0: I, I love time blocking. I live by it. I mean, I know that not everybody um, kind of jives with that. Yeah. Like some minds just work differently, but it's worth experimenting with, right?
1: Yes. It is for sure worth experimenting with because you can make it work for you. So I have um, a client, a marketing client, and she does not go for the whole, you know, every minute needs to be planned out. That doesn't work for her. So she generally does days. So she's like, on Mondays, I generally do these things. and But she's written them out at least so that she knows that on Mondays, she's doing certain tasks. So her time blocking is a little bit different, but it is something that's still considered time blocking because you are blocking out those hours for specific things. So you just have to make it work for you and make it work for how you operate. And I think it's really hard, like we were talking about creatives, it can be really hard for creatives to like stay on track, (laughs) just stay focused. So that at least if you are one of those people, That at least can give you a little bit of leniency while also giving you some more structure that you might be needing. What
0: do you do on days when you just feel off? So whether that's like you're sick or you didn't get a good night of sleep the night before and you have all of these blocks of time set aside for specific work tasks that you just don't feel like doing, do you make yourself push through or what is your strategy for that?
1: I fully believe in resting. Um, I was a um, director of executive events at a university, and I didn't have the luxury to rest um, because I had to be physically in the office. And I'm not saying by any means that (laughs) we have luxuries. I do believe that food bloggers actually usually work more hours than most people in an office. Not everyone, but a lot of people. but I didn't have the luxury because I had a staff, and I had to be there, and I had to be there for different things. So I truly, you know, believe um, as a freelancer, as somebody who can potentially take off and move around your time. So let's say it's a Wednesday and you don't feel well or you're feeling off, take the time to rest. Try to push maybe some of that work to Saturday or Sunday. Um, but the essential thing about time blocking, and why I use a digital calendar for mine, is that I can literally just pick up and click and drag the time blocks of, let's say that that day I was going to be working on creating a recipe and I'm going to be doing recipe development and I'm going to be doing um, maybe some web stories or something. I can click and drag those to another day so that I do take the rest that is needed because our brains don't fully function if we don't take rest and then get back into work.
0: Yeah. Just pushing through, I think is never a good strategy for me anyway, because I get overwhelmed by my calendar, so I think, well, I've got to get this done, but then the work I do isn't actually quality work, so I probably have to redo it anyway, so I've found the same, I'm totally in line with what you're saying, rest replenishes, it replenishes all the good things, so it makes me cr- makes me more creative, it makes me more productive, so if I can just take that time that I need, then when I'm back at it, I'm going to be way better at everything.
1: Yes. And I am also a believer. So like when you're needing to rest, you usually can feel it the night before, right? Like you're not just waking up the morning of and being like, oh, I need this rest. I had no idea this was coming. You usually know it the day before if you're not feeling well. So I am a strong believer at, you know, the end of your day or um, in the evening to just look at your calendar, not to stress out about it, but just to look at your calendar for the next day and say, is there anything on here that is vital that has to be done right away in the morning? Or can I sleep in? And just looking at those tasks and seeing if you can move them. Um, But yeah, making everything, you know, that's super important, flag it, whatever you need to do if it has to get done. But yeah, taking that rest that allows your mind to really, you know, recharge and get back to, especially with creatives, you, you need that for creativity. It's like, proven by science so like you need to take the rest when you need it i love that i i
0: guess i kind of discount that too like listening to your gut the day before and i always tell people this who are looking for time management tips like always look at your calendar the night before just to get a handle on it mentally but i never think of it in terms of like what you're or like how tired you are or how you're feeling or doing like a kind of like a check-in with you know, like, am I going to be tired in the morning? You can kind of feel that not only like having a handle on your tasks, but getting a handle on how you're feeling. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Do you have any tools that you love and use? You mentioned your digital calendar. What do you use for that? And what else do you use to kind of track everything?
1: Sure. So when I was in an office, I used Outlook. Um, just because that was what everybody was using there, and it was easy to um, link everybody together. Personally, I use um, iCal just because I have it on my phone. I suggest to everybody to get whatever you use if you're using digital, is to use something that also pops up on your phone. because if you're like me, you're not always on your computer all day. if you're doing recipe development. If you're maybe out going grocery shopping or you're doing your photography, you need something that'll pop up on your phone to remind you to stop doing what you're doing and move on to the next task. Or that, you know, maybe a phone call with a client is coming up or something like that. So iCal, Google Calendar, anything that will link from your computer to your phone um, is really just super important for me to use for my digital calendar. I know there are some people, and I used to be one of these people who was a paper planner person, and I loved my paper planners, and they are excellent for special things or, you know, things that maybe are not going to move at all, but like we were talking about earlier, you, you need something that is a little bit more flexible, I feel like, in food blogging, where you can literally just pick it up and move it. And you can't do that without scratching everything out of your paper planner and moving it on to another day unless you do post-it system, which to me was just overwhelming and didn't feel very environmentally friendly. Um, So I love using a digital calendar. But then for my other tools that I like to use for just organization in general, I really love using Asana. Um, I know there are some Trello people out there who (laughs) are hardcore Trello or hardcore Asana. Um, But just having something once again, that, you know, those Asana things I don't go into daily, but they are for me, like my overarching tasks. So if I have, let's say, in my um, iCalendar, something that says like, okay, today you're going to be pitching brands, I might track all of that in Asana. Um, It's just a way for me to track some of my bigger projects Um, And I love the little check, you check it off and it satisfyingly goes away and you get a little unicorn popping across your page and it's just wonderful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we all like those check marks, right? When we can check something off the list. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And I think, you know, those, those systems are great for people who like them to be digital. But that for me is also when I have people who are like, I love a physical planner. I love having a big piece of paper on my wall that I can write on. Instead of using Asana or something like that, those might be the type of things for those people that that's where they get more into like the physical lists. Um, Just because it's another tool for people. And I know some people are really visual and they want that, you know, whiteboard up on their wall where they can write everything out.
0: Right. And it's all about experimenting. In my experience, like you need to just dig into different platforms like Asana, you mentioned Trello using Google Calendar, Um, trying to think, oh, I use Airtable right now. Currently, Mm -hmm. that's just, it just works for me. It clicks for me right now. So trying out different things until you find that system that really works. And it might take a little bit of time, but it's so worth it because when you figure it out, you're like, oh, this is it. This works well. So what do you think? Do you experiment a lot? Do you change a lot? Or do you stick with the same things?
1: Yeah. So I have um, quite a few marketing clients. So I get to experiment a lot because I think every you know, every client has a different preference. So um, when I'm doing either consulting or coaching, um, I experiment a lot with them as well. So some of my clients um, are on Trello, some are on Salesforce, um, some, you know, are really deep into um, Calendly. So that's another thing that's it's mostly for you know making appointments and scheduling things um, and forms. Um, but it's another one that you can kind of hook up to your other systems. So there's a lot of systems out there in place. It just really depends. And then I have some clients who truly, truly hate electronic everything. Um, it's just not for them and they need to schedule everything out handwritten. I also have a client who has a, um, timer system that she uses she like bought this little block online and it like sets off an alarm every like 15 minutes to let her know that it's time you know to move on to whatever that for me is a big no that would cause me so much panic um, and anxiety I'm that kid who during a test looked at the clock like every minute to be like do I have enough time to fill this entire thing out Um, so like for me having a timer not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> that would just be too much pressure. Um, but, yeah, I think you know you just have to play with things a lot. And I think you know, every client that I've worked with and my own team that I used to have, um everyone had a different system. And sometimes it can be hard when you're in an office because some bosses, you know, are very strict about you have to do this. The beauty of being freelance is that like you get to choose what works for you. It doesn't have to work for anyone else. It's just what works for you. Oh, I think
0: that's such a good point because a lot of us have come from the corporate world, myself included, where we're used to that. We're used to being told exactly what we have to do and exactly how we have to do it. So it is like a new opportunity to just reinvent what we're doing and create our own things and step into just new ways of doing things. So how do we start that? Because we can be so ingrained in one way, especially coming from a corporate setting, how do we kind of transition into doing our own thing and setting up our own systems?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the first steps that I encourage everybody to do, um, is to kind of just sit down, take an entire day, time block in an entire day, um, where you can kind of write out all of the things that you are doing. So, um, I actually have a resource list um, on my website um, just because I didn't have this information when I got started. But of basically all the general tasks that one has to do in order to food blog. Um, you want to write out all of those things. So for me, I think I have like 13 major categories of things that you have to do as a food blogger. And then with each of those categories, there's like subcategories and sub -sub subcategories. But just like writing out all of those things is just going to be such a good starting place before you start going into time blocking, before you start going into building your own strategies, practices, you know, what what are your forms of organization going to look like? You kind of need to lay out all the things that you even just do um, before you can really truly get started into anything. You need to have a full grasp of like, what are all the things that you do while food blogging, freelancing, whatever you're...
0: Which is so much, right? Like it would yeah. take a couple <laughs> days just to write out everything. Yeah. Actually, it might even take a week because a lot of our work spans a week or even more. So... I, you know, if it takes if you need to take a week then do it right, but just get everything written out. And then what do we do with that? How do we start creating systems from that?
1: Sure. So my um, once you kind of just generally write it out, I would say start by like just making a bullet point list, you know, write it into your computer or write it down on a piece of paper. Um, And then actually write out the full processes. So uh, something that you get in a lot of corporate jobs, um, not all, but some corporate jobs, is like a standard operating procedure, so an SOP. Um, That's something that truly, you know, goes through each step of what your job would be or what your your department takes care of. So what you want to be doing is taking each of those pieces that you do for your blog, Let's just take one small piece because I already mentioned it before. Um, let's say that we're talking about, you know, photography. So photography is one thing that you do for your food blog. What you're going to want to do is create a standing standard operating procedure for all of the things you do. Have a little table of contents so that you can jump around to where you need to go. But in your standard operating procedure, write down, you know, food photography. Write down how often that you're doing it. For me, myself, I do it usually weekly and I do batching. And then write in all the steps that you do. For photography, that might be a little bit different, but write in some things and really fully try to think of all the different things. For food photography, it's maybe not as specific as like doing your taxes, but doing your taxes should also be in your SOP. Um, And just kind of write those out. I think that type of stuff is definitely like we were saying before that this whole entire standard operating procedure is probably going to take you a week or two to go through and write out. It takes a long time and don't be scared by the time of it. Just remember that like once you have all this in place, it's going to change your whole life. It's going to change how you do all of this. And once you're able to hire people to maybe help out or virtual assistant or something like that. This is something that you send to them and they know exactly how you do it and how you handle it. And this is a living document that you can update and change, but it is something that we can take from the corporate world and say, okay, this works because it really does show us what we're supposed to be doing with each of these steps.
0: So not only do SOPs help if you're hiring for somebody to help you on your team. But I think they can also help with kind of laying the big picture out so that you can see it in a different light. And then you can kind of look and say, oh, that doesn't need to really be done here. Maybe we can condense this. Do you agree? Like you can actually start tweaking your entire system if you just have it all laid out?
1: Oh, yeah. I think for sure when you write out an SOP, you're actually sitting down and going, what? am I doing when I'm building these things like what is my actual process for this and why am I spending you know two hours doing that thing when I just realized when I was writing this that I could actually cut out steps five through seven and now I'm actually going to spend half the time doing this Um, it really just like gives you that opportunity to do that it's also kind of fun to share certain parts of your SOP or your processes with your other food blogger friends And be like, this is how I'm doing this thing. How are you doing this thing? And sharing that with each other and realizing, wow, this person spends way less time doing this thing. I'm going to go and update my SOP. Or even listening to podcasts like this and hearing somebody and going, wow, I'm spending too much time on that thing. I'm going to go update it. And then realizing once again, oh, I'm duplicating this or I'm spending too much time on this. Um. And like I mentioned, for taxes, you only do that four times a year. And so sometimes it can be hard to remember all the steps. And so it's a great way to like remember yourself. Oh, this is what I do. So you don't have to be Googling it every single time you go to do it.
0: Right. That's such a good point. I love your recommendation to share your SOPs with peers. I don't think about that, but it's true. Every once in a while, I will... Just in conversation, hear a peer say, like, I don't know, I spend X amount of time writing a blog post. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't spend that much time, like, not even close. Or the other way around, like, they'll spend a little amount of time doing something that I spend more time on. And I can kind of compare mentally. And so if there is, um, you know, a discrepancy there, you can kind of dig into that and say, well, why do I need to spend that much time doing? x project and that can kind of lead to improvements in your systems and your processes so i love that i think this is a really great idea that's a great podcast episode topic idea actually to start talking through some of the processes that we have and we can give food bloggers an idea about whether or not they're doing more or less or yeah that gave me a great idea so thank you amanda (laughs) Oh, good. And I had one more thing to share. So I learned this from I cannot take the credit from for this, but I learned it from one of my new favorite business books, which is called The Common Path to Uncommon Success by John Lee Dumas. And he's like an incredible entrepreneur and podcaster and he just has like all of his systems and processes like super awesomely in place and effective and one of the things he recommended about sops i loved and i haven't done this but i want to he recommended creating loom videos for each process so that you can actually show like screenshots you can talk through it in person and then you just like create the video and save it into a folder so i thought that was really a slick idea
1: Yeah, um, most of my SOPs have screenshots and descriptions. um, But for most of my clients, when I'm doing something, let's say, um, you know, walking them through something that's new, especially something like, you know, I I got some of my clients on Planally and they don't know how to operate it. And so I'll do... um, Loom or screenshots, video shares, and then create those and put them into separate Google folders. Um, I'm a big fan of Google folders, and I'll put them into the exact folder of what they're going to be putting documentation into so that they can watch those and go, oh, this is how I do this. So that when they go in there to operate Planoly, they go into the Planoly folder to be doing their scheduling for social media. And they watch the video and they go, oh, yes, yes, yes. This is how I do this thing.
0: Oh, I love that too. Yeah, Google Drive and Google folders are the best. I love them. I use them all the time.
1: Yeah, I use them even with like um, some food blogger groups that I have. Um, I did a cookbook last year for the ACLU just to raise funds. And I just put everything in Google because I was working with like over 30 bloggers. And I was like, I don't know how to... I don't want them all just sending me emails <laughs> with all their stuff in it. So we created Google folders. And then I think every single one of my clients, um, we have Google folders. And I just record everything in there because it's like, let's let's have a place where everything can be. And um, being an event planner, our number one thing is always like, if something, you know, Happens and something happens to me. Everybody needs to have access to what I was doing.
0: It's just so much more efficient just having one spot instead of having to go search your mail. Isn't that the worst when you have to search your Gmail mm-hmm. a, email account? It's like so frustrating because sometimes it catches it, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to mm-hmm. go into like the trash. All mail doesn't oh, yeah. include the trash, so you have to do it no. separately. So yes, just having that one spot where you know everything is at is super efficient. How do you balance it all? This takes a lot of kind of mental energy, you know, like planning it out, getting the systems in place. Tell us how you balance it.
1: Sure. So I always recommend having kind of like a miscellaneous um, time block. So once again with my time blocks, but having a miscellaneous time block that's in a couple of days a week that you're doing some cleanup stuff, um, that you're kind of going in, Moving some things around, figuring things out. And then I always on Fridays, for me, is what works. I know for some people it's Monday mornings. Um, and sometimes I'll do it Fridays or Mondays, just depending. But setting an actual time in your calendar to like organize your week and reevaluate things and go, okay, I said originally that I was going to be doing three blog posts this week, but that's just not going to be feasible for me this week. So let's go ahead and move it down to one. And I'm going to be spending time instead on Tuesday and Thursday building out my systems. Because the hardest part of all of this is actually just taking the time to do it. I think a lot of people, um, you can think about it in the same way if you've never done something like this as like spring cleaning, right? Like you have to actually set aside a lot of time to do like a full apartment house cleaning. Like you... You have to set aside time for that. And if you don't do it, it's just going to keep piling up and it's just going to keep building and getting worse. So the biggest priority I would say for people is like find a time. Think to yourself, okay, I have all this client work that needs to get done through the end of October, but then I'm going to set aside this huge chunk, these two weeks of November to get myself in order to really put things in place and to bunker down I like to um, tell people, like, what music did you used to listen to to get yourself in the right headspace in school to be, like, focusing on studying? Or do you turn on, I'm I'm a person that does this, do you turn on The Office (laughs) and that's your thing that kind of, like, gets you in the mood to, like, know, like, I'm bunkering down, I'm doing this thing. And so, like, knowing, like, schedule it into your schedule to say these are the time That I'm gonna set aside to truly focus on all of this stuff because it can't be, oh, I'm gonna do five minutes here, I'm gonna do five minutes there, I'm gonna do 10 minutes there. You need to set aside that time to really like put your processes in place to really, you know, get into it. And once you're into it, it's really not as hard mentally. You can't just say like, oh, I'm going to try this one thing or, oh, I'm just going to do my SOP for like four things and then call the rest of it quits or I'm just going to try this. Like you really have to get in whatever it is for you. It doesn't have to be what I do, of course. Like it can be whatever works for you. But like sit down and say, I'm going to experiment. You know, I'm going to, let me try, start with Asana and then if I don't like it, I'm going to move to another system. Give myself, you know, a two month timer and put it in my calendar so I remember to reevaluate it but like sit down and actually, yeah, try everything, put everything down, write everything out. If you don't give yourself the time to actually do it, you're not going to do it.
0: (laughs) It's definitely not something you can do. Like you kind of said this in bits and pieces, it's something that you need to find that really deep groove with and get into that flow. And you just find this magic and you can create so much from that. But it's not like a um you know dabble here and there i'm going to write out my thoughts on how to create a new system and create an sop there it really is something that you need to like just immerse yourself in i feel like i feel like i get there once a quarter what are your yeah. thoughts on that like how often do you get to that place where you need to sit down and really dig into this
1: yeah so i basically audit myself every quarter and basically just go through my own system and processes and go through my own work and just say, like, is this actually working for me? Is this not working for me? How can I edit this, this and this? Um, and most of the time, a quarter works for me. But some parts, like I do realize I come back to them monthly to evaluate them. Um, and so you just have to kind of, you know, go with the flow on it. I know it sounds Like none of this is go with the flow type of behavior. It's very type A type stuff, it sounds like. But once you have it in place and in order, you're able to kind of go with the flow on it and say, okay, how can I be flexible in this? How can I change this? Um, And really, you know, I think a lot of people, especially creatives, like we get something in our head and we just want to do it right then and there. So come up with a system for yourself too, for all of your, what I call shower thoughts, um so that like when you have this genius idea or this like great thing that comes up you have a place to put all of those so for me I have a separate asana list and it's like all of these great ideas that I have that come up otherwise I'm going to be like redoing my systems and processes like every week (laughs) because I'll think of something new or exciting to try out um but you need to have time to test things like you say you know I'm sure you've heard and probably somebody has talked to you is like social media. like you do something new on social media, you have to like give it some time to see if it actually performs well. Um, you have to do the same thing with your system and processes. like give it some time. And if you come up with some other ideas, make a list for it. Um, I would say once again, have all of your miscellaneous lists in a place like a sauna. Um, just give it a separate um, title for it or whatever, and just say like, here are my different ideas. I'm going to try out Asana. I'm going to try out Trello. I'm going to try out, um, a notebook. I'm going to try out all these different things. And at different times I can try them out, but give them time to actually take hold. Otherwise you're just going to be jumping around. You're going to go, well, none of this works for me. And it's like, well, why didn't it work for you? Oh, you only gave it two weeks (laughs) to work for you. That's, that's not enough time. Yeah, that's great advice.
0: What are your thoughts on boundaries, like creating boundaries around how much you're working? Um, Do you create boundaries and how do you go
1: about that? Sure. So right now, um, we just moved. So I have no boundaries. (laughs) Everything is kind of all over the place. But I truly, once again, this is my favorite part about time blocking is like putting actual items into your calendar. To say I'm taking lunch from this time to this time, especially for those of us who work for home, it can be hard and you get roped into something and all of a sudden you get an email from a client or you start writing a blog post and you're like so into it and it, you all of a sudden realize it's three o'clock and you haven't eaten lunch. So putting those things in there with set with reminders and they happen daily, um, I have found so helpful. Even if I have to move it back half an hour, I'm still getting a reminder that's like, hey girl, you haven't eaten lunch. (laughs) Go and do that thing. Um, And I actually put in reminders. I don't need them as much now as I used to, but like to close my laptop at the end of the day. Um, I am definitely a night worker and my brain just for some reason goes like, so much faster at night and it just like wants to go and work and write and whatever and since we're work from home and kind of you know not in the same world that we usually are um I don't have as many like evening plans to go out with people right now and so it's not the same as like when you were at an office and everybody would leave at five and you would go home and you'd be done for the day like everything is connected to us and like we have to set those boundaries so a few things that I always suggest is like put in reminders in your calendar to take a break for a walk to you know if you like to exercise do that put in your lunch breaks put in when you need to be done and then if you can remove your work email from your phone take it off of there it's so hard it's so hard to do but like I I can't have my clients anymore on my email because I was getting so many updates all the time. And I'm a, oh, no, this problem is happening. I have to solve it now, although it could wait until tomorrow.
0: That was the biggest game changer for me, I will tell you, Amanda. Actually, I did two things that you just mentioned, which is kind of funny. So I and the time you had you mentioned 5 p.m. on your notes, I started closing my laptop at 5 p.m. every night and I removed email from my phone. Those were the two changes I made when I just got to this point where I was frazzled, stressed out all the time. I was anxious and I just knew I needed to make some changes and set some boundaries. And those two small changes were really, really hard, but they um, produced massive results in like a matter of months because I was consistent with them. But they seem like small yet hard but they can do such amazing things if you stick with them so i love that you mentioned all of that because i was like oh my gosh i so relate to the email (laughs) like you get on and i'd be at the grocery store like standing in line waiting to check out Mm -hmm. checking my email and i was like Mm -hmm. dude what are you doing there is nothing here that you need to look at stop. So I just had to like be my own parent and remove it
1: from my phone. (laughs) You really do. I mean, I was in, I was at a university, which basically is the corporate world, but for (laughs) education, universities are so different than like um, other schools. But we, I mean, I was working uh, my last like two years, I was working 60 to 80 hour work weeks um, plus. And so I would be out at dinner and I'd be getting phone calls. And so we stopped going out as much because I'd be getting phone calls. And then I started knowing people and they would walk up to me and be like, oh, Amanda, what time is this event? at? This, this, this. And I was like, who are you? (laughs) What's happening? So it became such a thing for me that when we moved, actually, that was like my time to be like, I think I'm going to go full time and try to do marketing clients and my blog instead, because I did not have a work-life balance anymore. Like it was non-existent. I never took lunches. I never took breaks. I never did anything because like I was so enveloped in it. And it was like, what do you do? I mean, I was 26 when I was hired to that position. So it was like, what do you do when you're, you know, 26, 27, whatever. And your life literally revolves around all of this. And like, that's not a life anymore. Like, that's not, you know, that's just not where I wanted to be. And it's not, I don't think that's like where, you know, I, I mean, obviously that society, we can't really change it as a whole, but we can like at least make our own rules up for ourselves. So just come up with that balance for whatever it is for you. If you are a night worker and you do like working in the night and you like your mornings to do your errands and clean your house and do whatever it is that you like to do in the morning, you can totally set your hours to be in the evening, but like create those boundaries for yourself so that you're not like us checking in the grocery store, all your things and taking, then, you know, I would get an email in the grocery store and the client would be like, can we talk in five minutes? And then I'd go in the car and sit in the car with all the groceries and be on the phone with them for two hours. And then like my ice cream has melted. Exactly. And And that's totally
0: unnecessary, right? Like you could have waited, not just saying to you, but like I would do the same sort of thing. And I would say to myself, you could have waited till you got home and then you wouldn't have had this mental clutter in your mind. Like you could have actually been enjoying your experience at the grocery store. But instead, you know, I didn't have boundaries. And I have been there when life has just absolutely consumed or sorry, when work has absolutely consumed my life. And I can say that life is so much better with boundaries and not just my work life, but my personal life. I'm happier. I'm healthier. I make better choices. I'm less anxious. I sleep better. Like it truly affects everything positively in life if you can set those boundaries and stick to them.
1: It's something that is so hard to get started. But like once you actually do it, it's like, oh. This actually wasn't as hard as I was like making this out to be and it's fine and I'm going to survive it. And like you said, like it just makes everything in life better. So like just try it.
0: <laughs> yeah, like with everything, I think when we over anticipate things, we can over complicate them and it becomes suddenly like this big mental clutter, like this big ordeal. But once you actually start it, it's like, oh, that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it would be and then you see the power of it and then you do something else to kind of stack on top of that and it suddenly becomes like this really efficient system that you've created in your life and before you know it things are easier like just life and your business is effortless and I cannot speak to this more I'm so glad we had this conversation today because I do feel like it's um, underutilized and underrated but there is such power in this topic so thank you for sharing all of this Amanda
1: yeah it, I mean this is something I I could speak for hours about I just I love um, helping others get to a place where they can have that healthy work-life balance and I do believe 100 percent that um, organization within your own small business can help you achieve that
0: If you could give food bloggers one main takeaway from everything that you have talked about today, what would be your number one takeaway for them? Yeah.
1: So in terms of um, organization and things like that, I think a lot of people are super overwhelmed by the idea of it. And I know that we talked about, you know, setting aside time to do it. I think... um, My actual, you know, advice, though, would be that other part that is like talk to your food blogger friends and see what systems and organizations they use, because we aren't in a system. um, When you're a freelancer, you work from home. You're not at a job where you can ask the person who's been there for 30 years, hey, how do we do this, this and this in our office? You don't have that same network. So reach out to your network of food blogger friends and whoever you're close with or whoever you've built those relationships with and ask them, say, how can I be doing this better? How can I approach these things better? And really reach out to each other. So join those Facebook communities, um, slide into those DMs, um, whatever it is, and reach out to one another because building that community is going to help you With not just your systems and processes, but basically every aspect of blogging is going to get better and um, easier once you have that network built. Get out there and um, do that. It seems like food blogging is like a one person job, but I really truly believe in building a community around you. So joining courses, masterminds, going to conferences, um, that's really just, you know, building that community because like you need those cheerleaders.
0: The networking is such an important piece of it and another part of it that we can discount too. So yes, love that. Well, we're gonna put together a show notes page for you, Amanda. If anyone wants to go peek at those, you can find them at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Amanda Willens and that's spelled W-I-L-E-N-S. Tell everyone where they can find you online, Amanda.
1: Yeah, so I have um, my website, amandawillens.com um, and that is my entertaining and food blogging website where you can find party ideas, lifestyle and recipes. And I also have amandawillansphotography.com for my photography services that I do. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram and social media um, at amanda underscore um, And basically there's just, you know, a, a world of knowledge that I'm trying to put out there um, on all of these different sites as well.
0: Awesome. Well, go check Amanda out, everyone. And thanks again for being here, Amanda. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to EatBlogTalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.